0: The week is almost over, so pour that coffee, and let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sepecchi and Bill McCaushin. And hey, good morning, everybody. Steve is here as well, and Joe is off this week on assignment. I like to say that because I don't know what he's doing. Bill McCosh, Republican strategist, and filling in for Joseph Pecky. She's been here before. State Representative Deb Andraka, welcome.
1: It's great to be here again.
0: All right, let's get into it. She needs a backwards hat on, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, Joe always wears. His- that, it would mess up my hair. Yes, so. we, we understand.
2: Yeah, how does, how
1: does he put the hat on with the headphones? We he tried makes, to convince Sarah
2: Godlewski to wear one one time too, <laughs> yeah. and that, that didn't work either. All
0: right, we have we, we may have to insist on that. Yeah. All right. Let's to start with the let's start with the Speaker of the House. After all this time, Bill McCashton was it three weeks this go round?
2: Twenty two days. Yeah,
0: three plus. We, we finally have a new speaker. We
2: have a speaker. Your thoughts? Uh, I'm excited about this guy. I don't know a lot about Mike Johnson. I think here's some good things that the listeners ought to pay attention to. He's only been in Congress for seven years. This is his fourth term. So he's not really uh, a swamp creature, hasn't been there long enough. Uh, he didn't aspire to this position, which I think is also good. He voted for McCarthy. Then he voted for Jordan. Then I, I don't know if he voted for Emmer or not. But then he, he became the consensus candidate after those three guys, four guys, failed. And so um, I I think it's good that he is not sort of that ambitious that he had to be at the front of the class on this thing. I had an opportunity to watch his speech when he accepted uh, the gavel. And one of the things that if you follow me on Twitter, I thought was necessary was a little more humility in D.C. And and this guy has it. I, I mean, he has a pretty interesting backstory. He grew up. His dad was a firefighter who got injured in the line of duty and was never the same after that. And. You know, he's, he's deeply faithful and uh, has five kids, one of whom is an African-American kid that uh, they've adopted. And um, I think Americans are going to like what they see from this guy, because I don't think he'll be on Fox News every night. I don't think he'll be on all the Sunday programs every week. I think he's there to get the work done. And at the end of the day, what I was looking for. Was someone who understood the role that was more of a workhorse than a show horse. I mean, the number one job, and Deb might disagree on this, of a leader, in my opinion, whether you're in the majority or the minority, is to protect your members. The second job, actually, is to enact your agenda. So I think he gets that, and and I like I like the grounding he comes from. And you know, again, I don't know a bunch about him, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I wish him Godspeed because I I. I, I think we need leaders right now, and this guy appears to be one.
0: I agree with you on the leaders' perspective, Deb. What do you think? If you're coming from the other side of the political aisle, what does what does a Mike Johnson say to you as as the speaker, new speaker of the House?
1: Well, I wish him success because the country needs it. Yeah. This country needs somebody who can wrangle the Republican caucus and get them back to the job of governing. So, from that point of view, I I hope that he does well in his role. Um that being said, I mean we can't overlook who he is and what his voting record is. I mean, he's a younger nerdier Mike Pence. Um and if you'd like Mike Pence? How can
0: you be nerdier <laughs> than Mike Pence? <laughs> I'm not sure that's possible. A,
1: well, yeah, and also if he, he he also did not vote to certify the election and Mike Pence did. So we're looking at somebody who comes across as uh, you know moderate, somebody who wants what's best for the caucus. He's got a big job ahead of him, and we can't overlook that he's probably going to be the most conservative Speaker of the House in U.S. history.
0: For both of you, I'll start with you, Bill. Is he experienced enough to to lead in that role as Speaker? Because typically those positions go to people who have long careers in the House. McCarthy had had almost two decades. Yeah,
2: not only do you have seniority, you generally have run a committee, and he hasn't. So uh, was he just
0: safe, a safe pick? I think he
2: was he was a, a guy that they could all finally agree on. Right. That caucus and Deb pointed this out is deeply fractured. And I don't know uh, that they're going to come together that quickly, but there's a clock ticking. Right. I mean, we have a CR up in about 30 days. Uh, Mike uh, Johnson has come out in favor of Ukraine funding, which is not popular among the Trumpers. Uh, these days, I was so, surprised
0: by that actually. So was I. Yeah, that he said that right away, right away,
2: and, and got it off the table. And and uh, you know that actually is a traditional Republican position, uh, strong defense. Yeah. Uh, um, but the other candidates, like Jim Jordan, were against that Ukraine funding, and that was one of the things that got him to two hundred. He could never get to two hundred and eighteen.
0: McCarthy got kicked out for working with Democrats. What do you think, Deb? Will he? The new person, Mike Johnson, will he also work with Democrats? And will he take fire from some of these really, really outlier Republicans?
1: Well, he's sort of a blank slate because he doesn't have a lot of experience. And again, he has to. I mean, we need a speaker. We need a functioning Congress. So um, th- the fact that we have a JV player stepping up to this role doesn't instill in me a lot of confidence. Uh, but I do wish him the best because he's going to have to reach out to Democrats. He's going to have to take some positions that aren't popular in his party in order to do his job. So it's mission impossible right now.
0: A lot of folks on the old National Bank talking text on eight five five six one six one six twenty 1620 asking about the significance of someone who did not vote to certify the election we'll start with you bill how
2: significant is that i don't think it's that big of a deal and i'll tell you why guys like steny hoyer uh and other leaders of the democratic conference have also voted not to certify previous elections not necessarily the 2021 but the 2004 not in these kinds
0: of numbers 147
2: yeah so i i don't think it's that big of a deal uh truthfully and Honestly, for Mike Johnson, he's going to have to look past that and and focus on how he can bring his conference together on a few things. The simpler he keeps the agenda, the more successful he's going to be, in my opinion. If he tries to be everything to everyone in that conference, he'll fail. Uh, if I'm him, I'm encouraging him to keep low profiles for people like Matt Gates and Nancy Mace, who caused all this ruckus. Uh, I don't think they're good faces for the Republican Party. And, you know, frankly, they've done extreme damage over the last 22 days to our brand. And, you know, Mike Johnson's primary job is to make sure that he can prove to Americans so the Republicans can
0: govern. Deb, should we look past someone who's in a, essentially an election denier.
1: I don't know how you look past somebody who is in a uh, governing position and Speaker of the House who voted not to certify the presidential election because if he would have gotten his way, where would we be right now? He literally did not vote to certify an election, and he would rather have overthrown a free and fair presidential election. That's big. So I know that is the majority uh, stance in the Republican caucus right now, uh, but we really need somebody who can work across the aisle with people who are who believe in the system, who believe in the process that has stood our country well for so long.
0: I've did, been doing a lot of reading on this because I was talking to Rick Esselberg, my friend, who is an attorney and, and the president of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Yesterday, he was in the studio talking about this question. Right? Can you can you be someone who voted to or voted against certifying the election and then have an open mind about? Really, how we conduct our elections. And Rick and I went back and forth. And I think that it is a marker. Doesn't mean that's how they would vote on everything related to that, but it certainly suggests a point of view. He'll be judged against that
2: going forward, right? So, what are his positions on election integrity and things like that? What is the conference's position? Is he promoting legislation that would appear to put the thumb on the scale one way or the other? I don't know that he's going to do any of those things. But he'll be judged against that past vote at least for the next 14 months.
0: Kind of a big question. I, I, I want to just have you think about it during the break. Either of you, either of you concerned, given all that we've gone through in the last three years, because the, the election is what a week from or a month, a year from, like a couple weeks, yeah, right. So we're we're, we're a year out, and then then it's going to get really interesting. E, either of you concerned that where we've been will cause serious doubts slash concerns? for the next presidential election. Hold your answers. We'll get to that. Bill McCaushin, State Representative Devin Draka. after this Political Power Hour right here on WTMJ. <music> Political Power Hour here on WTMJ. Now, Steve and our guests, Bill McCaushin, and the State Representative Devin Draka. All right, so I ask you both the question, going forward, a year plus outs, State Representative Devin Draka, are you concerned about the state of affairs when it comes to how we talk about our elections, conduct our elections, take it.
1: Very concerned. And there was just a poll that came out that showed that 20... 33% 33% of Republicans and 12, 13% of Democrats believe that American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save the country. I, I
0: did a half hour on that yesterday. Yeah, that, that's concerning.
1: It, it's it's alarming that we're at this point where people think that violence is OK. And I think the we need people to step up and and. Talk about how this is wrong. How violence is not how we solve our problems, and also just behave like adults. And I'm not seeing a lot of that on the national stage.
0: All right, Bill. So concerns. I mean, let's let's be fair. We've had three years of debate about the last election, and now we've got another election looming. And I, you know, depending on how that shakes out and who the candidates are, I really don't want to spend another three or four years talking about that one and the last one before that.
2: But we might, and that's because of the candidates we have. And I've said on this show pretty much every week. I'm for generational change. I don't think either one of these guys should be the nominees for the parties, Biden or Trump. But that's the direction we're heading. And if that is, the, in fact, the case, it's going to lead to these kind of conspiracy theories. I mean, this week in New Hampshire, Trump, and if you're a Republican listening to me, hear me out. He he encouraged people not to vote early. right? I, I we'll, have plenty of show, votes. Yeah. we'll have plenty of votes. I'm like, wait a minute. What are you talking <laughs> about? You want to get every single person who supports you out to vote as early as possible and then keep doing it until, you know, the uh, the polls close on election night. So, yeah, I'm super worried about this. I don't think our country can continue to go through this and, and not end up in some kind of a civil war.
0: You know, I didn't want to really talk about the Trump trials because I spent quite a bit of time yesterday talking with someone that actually knows something about all that stuff. But you guys are, are observers, elected officials, certainly a strategist. Um, the Trump effect, he is clearly the leader it right now, and lots can change, we know that, right? For Republicans for the nominations, and it doesn't seem to be getting any closer. We've seen the rise of Nikki Haley, but it's nowhere near what Donald Trump has. Right. So what can change that dynamic? Is it the state-by-state state actual voting? Is it is it a story? What is it?
2: Uh, honestly, I think George is going to change that dynamic. The fact that all of his attorneys or all the main people that represented him in, in the election den- denial uh, issue have if copped please, <laughs> And uh, we'll see how that shakes out for the former president, but I, I don't think it's good. I've always thought that the Georgia case was the most problematic for him. I think the documents case is the second most problematic. I think the other ones are nonsense,
0: quite honestly, but those two are real. We'll see how it shakes out. All right, Deb, the um, the president, Joe Biden, may have a challenger, Phillips from Minnesota. Is that real or is that just uh, some, a hope and a dream by Senator Phillips. Um, Senator Phillips, I think it is. Yes. Or is, uh, that, is it Representative Representative, representative. representative Phillips.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, my, my first question was who? Uh, yeah. ne- <laughs> never, ne- never heard of him. Um, I have an affinity for him. He is a Democrat who flipped a Republican district. So I and I, I like his message. He reaches across the aisle. He's very inclusive. But honestly, I, I think he's making a name for himself. So he's done that. Well done. Um, but I don't see a lot of Democrats flocking over to someone they've never heard of when we have a very successful bipartisan administration and the economy is doing so well
0: is it a safety valve because there's still questions about the, the, the current president that yeah. he, he may be. is it a, like a safety valve in case we need somebody is that what that is
1: i think we'll probably see a lot of people step up and again i think it's more about self-promotion than it is about any sort of agenda
0: somebody said this to me in a restaurant last week and i'm just gonna throw it at you because you're a democrat Hillary Clinton is ready if they need her. Oh, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Your thoughts, State Representative?
1: I am sure she is ready. If I were her, I would never, ever go through that again in a million years. So um, I don't know what she plans to do, but I, if I were her, uh, who could go through that twice? So I think she would be great, but I don't see her stepping up
0: anytime soon. Let's just let's close this segment with this. So if you said you, I don't think no, if you said this, but you, you would prefer if these two gentlemen weren't the candidates.
2: Right. And I don't believe Biden will be. I've said that multiple yeah, times Yeah, you have. Here. So
0: today, that's part of your answer. Today, who are the candidates going to be? Is it just say Biden or other, Trump or other? Uh, well,
2: it's Biden and Trump at this point in time. But I think the two things will, will uh, I, I think this Georgia case is real for Trump. I think the fact that the primary debates have finally shrunk, there will be fewer people on the stage in Miami, is going to help. Uh, If there's only a couple people by the time we get to Iowa on on January 15th, I think there's a chance someone else can surge, whether it's Haley or DeSantis, maybe both You know, through South Carolina, we'll see. But there has to be a smaller field, or or Trump will win easily.
1: Well, I know Bill would like to see anyone but Trump on the ticket because he's really not doing well in Wisconsin and certainly not doing well where my district is uh, in and around the suburbs. Um, I saw a, a funny thing on X the other day. It said, uh, we were told a recession was coming. Now the economy is booming. Another broken Biden promise. I mean, it's hard to argue with success. <laughs> so, uh, it generally, when presidents are running for re-election, it's you. Can't, how is the state of the country? And how are things going? And right now, the economy is doing extremely well. So things look good for him.
0: Yeah, GDP, big numbers up. We'll talk about that after the break. Bill McCosh and State Representative Devin Draka, lots to talk about. Political Power Hour minus Joseph Pecky, who's off on assignments. We'll pick it up after this on WTMJ. Now, lots of texters asking the question about the economy. Are you got to challenge your guests on this. We're going to talk about the economy. Good GDP numbers. Bill, is our good GDP numbers? Was it four point something nine percent? I think it was four point three. Four point three. Is that can that ever uh, be a bad exceeded, thing?
2: It, in Biden's case, it has been a bad thing, and so has low unemployment. Uh, neither of those have tracked to his job approval. If you look at the latest Gallup poll, which came out this week, Joe Biden's overall approval is 37%. It's the lowest he's ever had in his presidency. His approval on the economy is 32%. So to the extent there are good economic numbers out there, they're not translating to people. People aren't feeling this. Well, Gas prices are higher. Some Those fluctuate. Do those gross, numbers,
0: does that popularity lag? Like, do, I is, know, Should there be an instantaneous response to better GDP? I, I would think it would take some time to measure that.
2: Well, my friend Joseph Becky has been saying for months how good the economy is, and so th- if there was a lag, it should have caught up, caught up with the president by now, and it hasn't. So he's not getting any credit for any economic success or perception of success from some of these numbers because people don't feel it on the streets, they don't feel it in the grocery store, they don't feel it in their utility bill, they don't feel it in their mortgage, which are you know all at forty-year highs. Inflation is still the number one issue in this country and and that's what people are focused on. They're not focused on GDP. It means nothing to the average person. The unemployment number really doesn't mean that much to the average person. So to the extent those are good talking points for President Biden, they're not working for him politically. All right, State Rep.
1: Well, they're great talking points because GDP is up, and if it were a Republican in office, they would be saying the exact same thing. And I understand how uh, it might not translate on an individual level on occasion, and that's partly because we have such a labor shortage, particularly here in Wisconsin. We need to be doing a lot more to attract people, specifically young people, into Wisconsin to take the jobs that that Wisconsin companies are creating like like never before.
0: So I, I knew we were going to talk about this, and I, and I put it on social media this morning. I, I get the sense, and you, you can both correct me if I'm wrong, some portion of our society, some portion of voters look at economic performance, job numbers, inflation, whatever metric you want to use, as a means to an end when it comes to politics, popularity. And if the current president is a Democrat, which is the case now, there are some people who actually cheer. You can tell me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. cheer for bad news for the president because he's a Democrat because it helps us next year. Are there people that do that? Sure
2: there are, but they're looking at it from their from their vantage point, right? So the fundamental question that any campaign operative has to ask is, what's in it for the voter, right? You have to convince them that your, your candidate, male, female, whichever, it doesn't matter. Uh, is going to deliver on the issues that matter to that particular voter. Joe Biden can't connect with voters right now on economic issues because the ones that matter to them, their, their mortgage rates, their utility bills, their grocery bills, those those are not good. Those are at 20 or 30 or 40-year highs across the board, and, and they feel that every single time they go to the grocery store or pay their monthly bills. So uh, these other data points, which – can be viewed as good in in overall good times and i know my former boss tommy thompson used to tout those kinds of things uh, aren't resonating with voters today so the challenge for a candidate is to connect now listen if you're if you're for donald trump i would simplify this campaign i would stop all the nonsense i wouldn't tweet or truth social every day and i would talk about two things are you better off financially today t- today or when i was president and do you feel safer today uh, is the world safer when I was president or when Biden was president? I wouldn't go much beyond that because those are two fundamental questions that benefit Donald Trump's candidacy.
0: I would simplify it even more. The Trump folks I know, it's, it's basically this. I like his policies. Don't care about anything else. That's all I get from him. Yeah. And I have, trust me, friends, family, neighbors that love Donald Trump. <laughs> but as we talked about off air,
2: he's going to have to bring back some suburban uh, voters. and yes. And he's, he can get them on
0: the economy and on safety. He can. All right, Deb. Bidenomics. Big success. Just talking points from Democrats. The numbers seem to suggest we are not in a recession, although some people, I was just reading some stuff this morning on some business sites that we could get back into that situation with, you know, given the instability in the world. Uh, uncertainty with the election and who the candidates are, are, where do you you see this going?
1: Well, Bidenomics is a success, and if people aren't feeling it directly, uh, it's because there's a little bit of a disconnect with what is happening policy-wise, and it hasn't always trickled down to uh, people on an individual level. Um, Some of his most successful policies uh, are lowering uh, prescription drug prices, working on infrastructure, fixing roads and bridges. All of that, are those are all big things that take time, and kudos to the president for taking those things on. So I think a lot of these things are happening. People are starting to feel them. If they don't connect back to President Biden, it's because it's a communications problem, not because his policies aren't working, because his policies are very popular.
0: State Rep. Deb Andraka and Bill McCauschian are guests this morning on Political Power Hour. After the break, I asked on my show poll today... We're just about a year away from the next presidential election with the Republican convention scheduled to be in Wisconsin next summer. Do you already have a good idea who you're voting for? And I will tell you, here's the choices, and don't answer yet. Just vote, yes, just vote party. Undecided, not voting, and lots of comments. We'll discuss that question and get your feeling on it. After this on WTMJ Now. Enjoying this hour of politics, and we've been focusing nationally, and we'll we'll get to some Wisconsin things after the next break. So my question today was do people at this moment what is it, the twenty uh, seventh of October, I think? Right? Something like that.
1: Yep, twenty seventh. Yes.
0: Do you do you have a good idea who you're voting for? Here's the again, unscientific, but you know, take polling for what it's worth. Yes, I just vote party, forty four percent. Undecided, forty three percent not voting. I'm glad this is a low number, three percent. What do you what do you glean from these numbers, Deb?
1: Well, any poll this far out from the presidential election really doesn't mean much. Right. Uh, but the if I were on the Republican side, I would be worried because you have either Trump, is he's so far ahead, and he just turns so many people off. So I would bet the large portion of those undecideds are probably Republicans because most of the Democrats that I know uh, are pretty excited for a, nec- a second Biden term.
2: I'm not so sure about that. I think that's one of the reasons Dean Phillips, the Congressman from Minnesota is getting in the race. <clears throat> if you look deeply at the Gallup numbers, Biden's biggest collapse came from Democrats. The, he, his polling numbers are 11% less with Democrats than they were in August. So Democrats are concerned. We know other national polling shows two thirds of Democrats want someone other than Biden to be the nominee. So I, I think there's some deep problems within the democratic base, but Fundamentally, if if an incumbent is running it, if you're the challenger, you want it to be a referendum on the incumbent. Right. So Biden's people know this and they're going to they want it to be a choice, a binary choice between good and evil. Right. That's essentially what they're trying to set up. Frankly, I could argue that a choice election could be good for Trump if he can keep focused. Right. But that's impossible. The (laughs) lack of discipline here makes it hard for people to track. Yeah, it's red meat for his hardcore supporters. But it dampens any enthusiasm or any potential enthusiasm for undecided voters. He has to be laser focused if he's the nominee. I'm I'm undecided. I'm in I'm with the 43 percent who are undecided. I'm hoping for, you know, candidates who can lift us up on both sides that, you know, make us, you know, feel good about the country and and what we aspire to be long term. and, And so far, I don't see it
1: both Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama had similar polling uh, at this point in their terms and both were re-elected so it's uh, hard
2: to, it's hard to defeat an in- incumbent president it's
0: almost impossible yeah what's happened twice or something like that George
2: HW Bush was the last
0: yeah and so, Trump and, Trump, and Trump. of course yeah yeah there you go. yeah I should know that since I talk about him apparently too much <laughs> all right let's let's take it to Wisconsin uh, lots of conversation we the assembly's passed a version of the Brewers Stadium bill we'll start with you state rep what do you think what this is going to look like in its final form and When will this happen?
1: Well, I voted for it when it was in the Assembly. Um, We had lots and lots of negotiations. And for me, I wanted to make sure that there was a deal that both the city and the county could support. And at the end of the day, Milwaukee is a small market. I think the possibility of the team leaving is real. And an empty stadium that the state owns does nothing, and it's a drain on the economy. So I would much rather have a full stadium with people paying either their ticket tax or uh, revenues and the new sales tax that the city and county have. As we work so hard to get the shared revenue deal that is going to bring the city and county out of the, you know, away from the, the edge of insolvency. So we're really headed in a positive direction. And a big empty stadium would be such a drain on that that I really hope we get to a deal that we can support quickly.
0: We talked about it last week or the week before the fact that shared revenue and this Brewers package those are really good examples of compromise bipartisanship are you buoyed by that you think that's a a trend because we were talking about taxation earlier and policies and what might happen and that that's not suggesting that we're going to see some of uh, the big C compromise happen
1: I voted for both of the deals I was a little discouraged about how the deals came about um tell me tell me why. In in both of them, there were, I would guess I would consider almost poison pills. There are things that were not related to the deal that were just attached that everybody knew that people in uh, Milwaukee, in the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County didn't support. That's not good faith. I mean, we should be talking about what's at hand and not trying to score points off of one or the other when we're talking about these deals. So we got it done. Um, really getting anything done in the Wisconsin state legislature needs to be applauded because it's so difficult. I think we need better trust and we need to have more good faith. On both sides, and so it's less a, a game of scoring points and more a game of doing the people's business. It
0: should be noted, though, that the county executive and the mayor of Milwaukee both supported the package. They did, as written, as I yeah, did. And
2: I think that's a big piece of it. So the governor supported it. Uh, the speaker, Robin Voss appointed Rob Brooks, a local lawmaker here from the Milwaukee area. He was sort of the lead. And the original package that got uh, introduced, uh, we were—I think—we're the one you passed was maybe the third version or the fourth version but it had strong support. It had 69 out of 99 state assembly people voting for it and uh, sent to the uh, Senate. I think there was a hearing this week on Wednesday. I think there will be some modest changes in the Senate. What
0: might we see? I think there'll be a
2: ticket tax on non-Brewers events. The, The truth is you can't put... More cost on a Brewer ticket, those are pretty expensive to begin with, uh, so you can't keep adding to that cost for families and get them to keep coming. I mean, we need about 3 million fans per year. But I think you'll see it on non-events, and, and they're going to winterize it, so there will be winter events there, was, too. That was
0: my next question. Do you both support the Absolutely. year-round aspect of this Absolutely. package?
1: I would like to see it, but I haven't seen hard numbers on how much it's going to cost to winterize it. That was kind of thrown in towards the end. I saw thirty 20, million. I think 20, it's
0: twenty-five.
2: Okay, twenty-five to thirty. That seems like a deal to me. And then the other piece I think that's trying to get worked out here is development. What happens to those parking lots? I, I don't think they need all of them. I think development uh, at both Lambeau Field and Pfizer Forum has proven to be monstrously successful for the franchises. Uh, I think the Brewers ought to do the same thing. But the the trick here is they can't make massive changes to it because the bill still has to go back to the assembly then. And if you upset the apple cart, can you keep the thing together? I'd like to see it get done in November. Uh, I'm hopeful that there aren't serious or significant changes to the package, and and then we can be done. To Deb's point, I think this is one of the things where you
0: can check the box
2: that both sides got along and did what was right for
0: the state of Wisconsin. But uh, neither of you think this is going to be a a marker or an indication that there'll be this kind of agreement coming forward and anything else in the near future? Well,
1: I have heard from both sides that the, between the shared revenue deal and the stadium deal, it's really one of the first times that both sides have come together on something this big, not just an individual piece of legislation. know, something as complex and has been able to get something done. So kudos to the mayor and the county executive. No question. I hear nothing but good things from them in all corners of the Capitol. So I think I would like to think we've turned a new page and we could build on these two deals going forward. Um, I'd like to see a little less game-playing and point-scoring and more reasonable people coming together uh, on shared interests.
0: We shall see what happens in November. Alright, after the break, kind of a big topic, but I want to talk about the rise of anti-Semitism in the United States and the world. And then grab eggs coming up, the Political Power Hour right here in WTMJ. Bill McCaushon and Joseph Pecky, my regular contributors. Bill's here today. Joe's on assignment. Filling in for him, State Representative Deb Draco Where's your your district so people know?
1: Uh, it's the northern Milwaukee suburbs, so Whitefish Bay, Fox Point, Bayside, River Hills, Brown Deer, and southern Ozaki County, Mequon, and
0: Thienesville. So all my Fox Point relatives can point to you as their local leader. Yes, they can. All right. So this is a big topic. I'm not going to spend more than a few minutes on it, and it probably deserves way more than that. But I wanted to... At least broach the subject because it's on everybody's mind. We're seeing the rise of protests against our, one of our most important allies, Israel. The rise of anti-Semitism. Matter of fact, when, when some Jewish people are just trying to talk about this or rally in support of the, of the hostages, they're attacked, they're shouted down. State Rep, are you concerned about the rise of what I think is anti-Semitism, the the attack on one of our most important allies, Israel?
1: Absolutely. And not just Israel, but we see it here at home, too. I have a friend whose kids go to the Milwaukee Jewish Day School. They have armed guards. Um, My mom goes to the JCC. Uh, There's an increased police presence around here. Uh, We need more people, uh, particularly political leaders, to stand up and decry this absolutely 100%. There's a, a poll that came out of University of Chicago found that 10 million American adults hold what describes as both high levels of anti-Semitism and support for political violence. That is unacceptable on every level. So we can talk about events, but we need to talk about how this kind of hate in any form is wrong, and we need more people to stand up and say it loud.
0: I think I saw a poll that said 60-some percent of young people, in um, I don't know what the def- definition of young people was, but had no idea about the Holocaust. What? If you don't have that that, basic knowledge, if you're watching these,
2: let's call them protests, they're not peaceful protests, but protests across the country, uh, you know, pro-Palestinian protests, those are mostly young people. And I don't think they understand the history. I'm with Deb on this. I mean, since 1948, we have steadfastly stood with Israel and been our they've been a a, a tremendous ally for us. And there are some who thinks there's there's a partisan split on this issue some who believe that in the Gallup poll where Trump or Biden's numbers came down with Democrats, that that's because he stood so strong with Netanyahu in Israel. I don't know if that's fact or fiction. I'd be interested in Deb's take on that, but this is, this is something that has to get resolved sooner than later. And people have to understand the history of all of this and these violent protests. And I mean, do a little homework. I mean, you have at at your fingertips, literally today, the ability to do your own research and, and, Realize that a lot of stuff you're being told, uh, you know, pro or con about
0: Israel uh, isn't the truth. Yeah, for lack of a better way to put it, your smartphone shouldn't make you dumber. Right. And unfortunately, that's what I'm seeing. Um, When you think about this story, I'm frustrated because I have a lot of friends who are Jewish, and I I feel that pain, that agony. Not knowing where babies are, elderly, women, men are in these tunnels in Gaza— That every day, you know, CNN, who I'm not a huge fan of, but Jake Tapper's been doing amazing interviews with the families. I can't even imagine that agony, Bill or or Dev. This is maddening to me.
1: We need to all come together and decry violence and Amen. call it out for what it yep, is agreed. in all shapes and forms. I mean, it. it, it we, we take sides of so many things these days. But when we see just pure, unadulterated evil, we have grandmas being held hostage. I mean, that Great. is something that we should yeah. each come together and say that is wrong. There are no teams. There's wrong and right in this world. And that was unequivocally horrifying. We're on
2: team right.
0: All right, I think we're all in agreement on that one. All right, so we always wrap the segment, the hour with a uh, political grab bag. Doesn't have to be politics, can be fun. Bill?
2: I got to uh this week Jamal Bowman, Democratic congressman. Uh, you listeners may remember he pulled oh, yeah. the fire alarm. There's mm-hmm. now a video about that
0: that it, proves it, it got worse.
2: It got him. worse for uh the congressman. He he didn't tell the truth. Let's put it that way. You can find it on the internet. Uh I think there ought to be a censure of him next week in the House of Representatives, and I think there ought to be a federal charge. This could be a felony, by the way, but I'm not for that. I think a misdemeanor is fine, but the slap on the wrist he got from the DC cops isn't enough. You have to send a message to these congressmen that there is right, there is wrong, he did wrong, and he's gonna he should pay the price. Lastly on on a positive note, the Wisconsin Badgers under new coach Mike Hastings beat the number one team in the country last night, the the Minnesota Gophers in Minneapolis. to Hastings and his staff are killing it this year. If you haven't been to a Badger game in a few years because you didn't like the product on the ice, trust me, you're going to want to go back. This product is good. All right, State Representative
0: Deb Andraka.
1: Uh, well it's it's great to be here Uh, it's been a really good conversation and I just want to reemphasize how nice it is to be able to talk across the aisle (laughs) because uh, my political grab bag is that there needs to be an awful lot more of it Um, going back to what happened with the redistricting bill going back to what's been happening on some of the things uh, everything from literacy bills and things that are happening in committee um, I want to tell all of my Republican colleagues that uh, we need to be talking more before committee we need to be working plans and pieces of legislation that are built to have things that both parties agree on. Put the people first. I am so tired in the uh, assembly of having bills that everybody knows is destined for a veto, but we've all come to Madison and everyone's getting their per diems and doing work and charging the taxpayers for political talking points. That is wrong. So more cooperation uh, on the front end early on and less political talking points. We're about to enter a presidential year. I know there'll be a lot of them, uh, but I'd like to see less.
0: Is the job of an elected official easier or harder than it was when you started?
1: Well, everyone I talk to who's been around longer than me says that it's never been worse. Oh, really? um, In terms of cooperation. Um, there used to be more ability to, to work together, um, and I, I think it's partly it's what's going on at the national level, um, but it is very hard to to have people. Um, being in the minority party, I can't control the agenda. I can't get bills of public hearing. If a bill is bipartisan and, it's, and it has a, a number of co-sponsors, uh, bills should get public hearings and we should vote them up or down and move
0: on. You made that point before. All right, mine is quickly the new version of the bucks. I love it. Dame yeah. Giannis, As one of my sports writer follows in Chicago said, that's the cheat code for NBA basketball. I absolutely love that. We'll do it again next week. Joe and Bill, State Representative Devin Andraka, thanks for filling in. Thank you. That has been the Political Power Hour on WTMJ.